Master and Man, Ireland. Billy McDaniel was once as good-natured a young man as ever shook his brogue at a festival, emptied a quart, or handled a shillelagh. He feared for nothing but the want of drink, cared for nothing but who should pay for it, and thought of nothing but how to make fun over it. Drunk or sober, a word and a blow was ever the way with Billy McDaniel, and a mighty easy way it is of either getting into or ending a dispute. More's the pity that, through his fearing and caring and thinking for nothing but drink, this same Billy McDaniel fell into bad company, for surely the fairies are the worst of all company anyone could come across. It so happened that Billy was going home one clear frosty night, not long after Christmas. The moon was round and bright, but although it was as fine a night as heart could wish for, he felt pinched with cold. By my word, chattered Billy, a drop of good liquor would be no bad thing to keep a man's soul from freezing in him, and I wish I had a full measure of the best. Never wish it twice, Billy, said a voice right beside him. He looked down and saw a little man in a three-cornered hat, bound all about with gold lace and with great silver buckles on his shoes, which were so big that it was a wonder he could wear them. He held out a glass as big as himself, filled with as good liquor as ever I looked on or lip tasted. Success, my little fellow, said Billy McDaniel, nothing daunted, though well he knew that the little man belonged to the good people. Here's to your health, and thank you kindly, and he took the glass and drained it to the very bottom without ever taking a second breath to it. Success, said the little man, and you're heartily welcome, Billy, but don't think to cheat me as you have done others. Out with your purse and pay me like a gentleman. Is it I pay you, said Billy? Could I not just take you up and put you in my pocket as easily as a blackberry? Billy McDaniel, said the little man, getting very angry. You shall be my servant for seven years and a day, and that is the way I will be paid. So make ready to follow me. When Billy heard this, he began to be very sorry for having used such bold words toward the little man. Yet, without knowing why, he felt himself obliged to follow the little man about the country that whole night, up and down over hedge and ditch and through bog and brake without any rest. When morning began to dawn, the little man turned round to him and said, you may now go home, Billy, but on your peril, don't fail to meet me in the fort field tonight, or it may be worse for you in the long run. If I find you a good servant, you will find me an indulgent master. Home went Billy McDaniel, and though he was tired and weary enough and stayed in bed all that day, he couldn't get a wink of sleep for thinking of the little man. He was afraid not to do his bidding, so up he got in the evening, and away he went to the fort field. It was not long before the little man arrived and said, Billy, I want you to go on a long journey tonight, so saddle one of my horses, and you may saddle another for yourself, as you are to go along with me and may be tired after your walk last night. Billy thought this very considerate of his master and thanked him accordingly. But, said he, if I may be so bold, sir, I would ask, which is the way to your stable? For never a thing do I see but the old fort here and the old thorn tree in the corner of the field, and the stream running at the bottom of the hill, and the bit of bog beside it with the rushes growing in it. Ask no questions, Billy, said the little man, but go over that bit of bog and bring me two of the strongest rushes you can find. Billy did accordingly, wondering what the little man would be at, 
He picked two of the stoutest rushes he could find and brought them back to his master. Get up, Billy, said the little man, taking one of the rushes from him and striding across it. Where shall I get up, please, your honor, said Billy. Why, up on the horseback, like me, to be sure, said the little man. Is it after making a fool of me you'd be, said Billy, bidding me get on horseback upon that bit of a rush? Maybe you want to persuade me that the rush I pulled a minute ago out of the bog over there is in fact a horse. Up, up, and no words, said the little man, looking very angry. The best horse you ever rode was but a fool next to these. So Billy, thinking all this was a joke, but fearing to vex his master, straddled across the rush. Bram, 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 cried the little man suddenly. Immediately the rushes swelled up into fine horses, and away they went at full speed. But Billy, who had put the rush between his legs without much minding how he did it, found himself sitting on horseback the wrong way, which was rather awkward with his face to the horse's tail. So quickly had his steed started off with him that he had no power to turn around, and there was therefore nothing for it but to hold on by the tail. At last they came to their journey's end and stopped at the gate of a fine house. Now, Billy, said the little man, do as you see me do and follow me close. But as you did not know your how but as you did not know your horse's head from its tail, mind that your own head does not spin round until you can't tell whether you are standing on it or on your heels. For remember that old liquor, though it can make a cat speak, can make a man dumb. The little man then so then said some queer kind of words, out of which Billy could make no meaning. But he managed to say the words anyway, and as soon as he did, he felt himself flying alongside the little man, though he didn't know how, in through the keyhole of a door, and through one keyhole after another, until they reached the wine cellar, which was well stored with all kinds of wine. The little man fell to drinking as hard as he could, and Billy, in no way disliking the example, did the same. "'The best of masters you are, surely,' said Billy to him. And I will be well pleased to be in your service if you continue to give me plenty to drink. I have made no bargain with you, said the little man, and will make none. But get up and follow me now. And they went again through the keyhole after keyhole. Then each mounted upon the rush which he had left at the hall door, and they scampered off, kicking the clouds before them like snowballs, as soon as the words bram, bram, bram had passed their lips. When they came back to the fort field, the little man dismissed Billy, bidding him to be there the next night at the same hour. Thus did they go on night after night, shaping their course one night here and another night there, sometimes north, sometimes east, sometimes south, and sometimes west, until there was not a gentleman's wine cellar in all Ireland they had not visited, and they could tell the flavor of every wine in every cellar as well as or better than the butler himself. One night, when Billy McDaniel met the little man as usual in the fort field and was going to the bog to fetch the horses for their journey, his master said to him, Billy, I shall want another horse tonight, for maybe we, for maybe we will bring back more company than we take. So Billy, who now knew better than to question any order given to him by his master, brought a third rush, wondering who it might be that would travel back in their company, and whether he was about to have a fellow servant. If it is another servant, thought Billy, he shall go and fetch the horses from the bog every night, for I don't see why I am not every inch of me as good a gentleman as my master. Well, away they went with Billy leading the third horse, and never stopped until they came to a snug farmer's house in County Limerick. Within the house, 
there was a great carousing, and the little man stopped outside for some time to listen. Then, turning round all of a sudden, he said, Billy, I will be a thousand years old tomorrow. God bless us, sir, said Billy in surprise. Will you? Don't say those words again, Billy, said the little old man, or you will be my ruin forever. Now, as I will be a thousand years in the world tomorrow, I think it is full time for me to get married. I think so, too, without any kind of doubt at all, said Billy, if ever you mean to marry. And to that purpose, said the little man, have I come all the way to this house. For in this house this very night is a young Darby Riley going to be married to Bridget Rooney. And as Bridget Rooney is, is a tall and comely girl and has come of decent people, I think of marrying her myself and taking her off with me. And what will Darby Riley say to that, said Billy? Silence, said the little man, putting on a mighty severe look. I did not bring you here to ask me questions. Without holding further argument, he began saying the queer words which had the power of passing him through keyholes as free as air, and which Billy thought himself mighty clever to be able to say after him. Into the house they both went, and up to the rafters, for the better viewing of the company, and to keep out of sight. The little man perched himself up as nimbly as a sparrow on one of the big beams which went across the house over the heads of the guests, and Billy did the same upon another facing him. But as he was not much accustomed to roosting in such a place, his legs hung down as untidy as may be, while the little man sat contentedly up on his haunches. There they sat, both master and man, looking down upon the fun that was going forward. Under them were the priest and the piper, the father of Darby Riley, and Darby's two brothers, the father and the mother of Bridget Rooney and her four sisters, with brand new ribbons in their caps, and her three brothers, all looking as clean and as clean and as clever as any three boys in Munster, and enough uncles and aunts and cousins besides to make a full house of it, and on the table there was plenty to eat and drink for every one of the guests, as if they had been double the number. Now, just as Mrs. Rooney was helping the priest to the first cut of the pig's head, Billy saw his master take a little leather pouch from his pocket, and, reaching into it, pull out a pinch of some powder that he sprinkled down upon the table, right in front of the bride. At that, the bride gave a sneeze. It made everyone at the table start, but not a soul said, God bless us. All the guests thought that the priest would have done so, as was his duty, and no one wished to take the word out of his mouth which, unfortunately, was preoccupied with pig's head and greens. But after a moment's pause, the fun and merriment of the bridal feast went on without the pious benediction. Both Billy and his master noticed this happen from their stations high up in the rafters. Ha! exclaimed the little man, and his eye twinkled with a strange light. Ha! said he, leering down at the bride. I have half of her now, surely. Let her sneeze but twice more, and she is mine. Again he sprinkled a bit of the mysterious powder down upon the table, and again the fair Bridget sneezed, but she did it so gently, blushing with embarrassment, that few, except the little man and Billy, seemed to take any notice, and no one thought of saying, God bless us. Billy all this time was regarding the poor girl with a most rueful expression, for he could not help thinking what a terrible thing it was for a nice young girl of nineteen, with large blue eyes, transparent skin, and dimpled cheeks, suffused with health and joy, to be obliged to marry an ugly little bit of a man who was a thousand years old, barring a day. At this critical moment, the bride gave a third sneeze, and Billy roared out with all his might, 
God bless us. Whether this exclamation resulted from his thoughts about the marriage or from the mere force of habit, he never could tell exactly. But no sooner was it uttered than the little man, his face glowing with rage and disappointment, sprung up from the beam on which he had perched himself and shrieked out a shrill voice like a cracked bagpipe. I discharge you from my service, Billy McDaniel. Take that for your wages. And he gave poor Billy a most furious kick in the back, which sent his unfortunate servant sprawling upon his face right in the middle of the supper table. If Billy was astonished, how much more so was every one of the company into which he was thrown with so little ceremony. But when he had told his story, the priest laid down his knife and fork and married the young couple with all speed, and Billy McDaniel danced and drank and feasted to his heart's content at their wedding. The end.